star god. Why? Bright morning star, son of righteousness. Happy God. First Timothy 1.11 emphasized translation. We serve the happy God. He's happy. If you're not happy, you're not serving God. Whoa. Really check your fruit to see if Remphon has bewitched you. Amen? And then return your brain to the happy God. God's happy. Mm -hmm. Jesus suffered for the joy that was prepared for him. He entered the joy 2,000 years ago. If you're not joyful, your head is not where Jesus is. So repentance means return your brain or, or your soul to where Jesus is in the joy, which is in the glory. Amen. So a lot of people are disconnected from Christ because of external religion and bewitchment, and we need the joy of our salvation restored. And if you're not saved, well, this is great, because you're not going to get saved and then get sour. You know, you've seen that 10 million times. They get saved and they get sour and become twice as bad as they were before they got saved in the sourness of re religion, you know, in the sourness of death. Really, they're serving the angel of death. They're serving the star Remphon. They're serving the fallen angels, fully serving the fallen angels. Most people, after they get born again, get bewitched and serve the fallen angels the rest of their lives. Not some, most. Most do. That's true. And so we're going to prevent that by having a glory harvest where they come right into the tabernacle of David and not born again and into the tabernacle of Molech. What's the tabernacle of Molech? Acts chapter 7. You earthly religious fanatics have not served God, but the tabernacle of Molech and the star Remphon. And that's some wisdom right there that Stephen, the martyr, is sharing with the earthly Sanhedrin. The earthly Sanhedrin knows those terms because they had the whole Bible memorized. To be a member of the Sanhedrin, you got every jot and tittle memorized in the Old Testament. Okay, Now, a lot of us are not that skilled in the New Testament or the Old Testament, so we don't even understand anything that goes on at Red Letter Ministries. And it's just like, I'm just here for the presence. I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's cool. Start with the presence and then learn about righteousness. But then get into the Word. Start spending, you know, a half hour in the Word. Reasonable. I mean, don't dive into eight hours a day. You don't have the appetite. You're not hungry enough. If we just tell you, you need to be in the Word four hours a day, you're going to get discouraged, burned out, and just give up. Be like, forget it. I'm going to go start drinking a six-pack of beer again. We've seen that 10,000 times. Because you just don't have the hunger and thirst for righteousness. So God meets you where you're at according to your thirst that you're filled and according to your hunger that you're filled, the Bible says. So if you're not thirsty and hungry, you know, I mean, you can't force a person to be thirsty and hungry. How you get them thirsty and hungry is demonstrating the glory of God of how much more there is to God than what you think. You think God's like this big? I know God is bigger than the universe, and I live in that realm, so I demonstrate it every day broadcasting this, so you get hungry, so you get thirsty, so there's way more. I can go into every word from Genesis to Revelation and just live inside the word, experience the word. There's not a one dead letter in there from Genesis to Revelation. It's all an experience to me. It's all revelation to me. It's all alive, active, and energized, and working in my blood. We're living epistles, amen? Jesus Christ, John chapter 1, was the Word made flesh. So the, the living Word, or the Word made flesh, is someone who has the Word in their spirit, and in their brain, and in their blood. 
If it's not in your blood, it's fake. You're a Pharisee. So you need to be a living epistle and a living word, a living testimony read before all men. Paul says, listen guys, you're religious and you're just crazy. You're nuts. You're whack jobs. So you need to put the word inside your spirit and become real. Have the spirit of a sound mind. The mind of Christ is the most stable anchor for your soul you'll ever taste of. It's so stable, people get suspicious, it's got to be Satan, because I've never seen such consistency. You know, they just don't think God's that stable. They think they're God's schizophrenic like they are, double-minded, unstable in all his ways, because I'm so unstable, and I've created a Jesus in my image. Jesus is like me. No, Jesus is nothing like you. Jesus ain't religious. Jesus is the most stable person you've ever met. There's not a drop of religion, not a drop of double-mindedness. There's not a drop of confusion in the mind of Christ. Zero. None. Nada. Zilch. The problem is, is we think God's like us in our souls because our souls are full of religious information. God's not like that at all. Zero. Nada. Zilch. Zilch. God is not like the animals. God is like the angels. We have created a Jesus in our own image. It's called idolatry. God is like me because I've read the word and so I've created God in my image. That's idolatry. That's actually the worship of the fallen angels. Instead of actually humbling our souls and getting to know the true living star Bethlehem, the bright morning star, inside of us and offering our blood and our brain as a burnt offering to know him in spirit and in truth. Most people are idolaters. And that's why you got a hundred thousand different opinions about what Jesus is like. But if you just get into the Holy Ghost and the fire, you become a burnt offering, a holy living offering, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And then there's no more opinions because it's not based on animal flesh or animal blood. It's based on the throne of God and the Lamb in the river. I didn't even know. That. I know. That's why you don't get it. That's why you're still debating and arguing over doctrines and theologies and, you know, it's like goat butting head against goat. I'm right in my flesh. I'm right in my flesh. You're both wrong. Okay? Where you get into righteousness is becoming a burnt offering. It's not in the flesh. God's not in the flesh. God's in the spirit. No, God is the spirit. Those who worship God must be in spirit. God's in the river. So you start to know God in the river, and the river starts to eat up your, your animal nature, your human nature, your sinful nature. Then you start to know God through experience and through self-sacrifice. And it starts to get real. But Pharisees don't like to sacrifice inwardly. They just like external knowledge. So that's why people are so screwed up, is because they're learning from a bunch of Pharisees. They're learning from the tabernacle of Moloch, and literally an earthly Sanhedrin and an earthly natural tabernacle of the star Remphon that's only for the brain so you can figure it out and you don't need the mind of Christ. Your mind is a good mind. You're a good animal. These are the days of Noah. Just go out there, eat, drink, and be merry and be a good animal. How many of y'all know that's the gospel of Satan? That you can be good in the flesh? That you can be good without bringing the animal sacrifice as it was in the days of Noah. The animal comes into the ark and the ark is his glory and we begin to burn. Hallelujah. He makes his ministers flames of fire. And we're no longer human beings. We're living beings. God didn't create human beings. Human being is, a, is the curse of the fall. God created living beings. You read Genesis? God didn't create human beings. Human beings are the result of the fall. Hallelujah. 
Okay? The living being didn't have the animal curse. The living being didn't have self-consciousness. The living being lived in the hundredfold glory realm. Adam and Eve were perfect in the glory, clothed, fully clothed with zero nakedness. Zero nakedness. Zero Jezebel sorcery. Amen. How many of y'all know the Bible talks about nakedness as sin? And then they realized they were naked. Why weren't they naked before? Because they were clothed in the bright morning star. They were clothed in the star of Bethlehem. They were no longer self-aware. And they were fully clothed. They were clothed in angelic glory. Hallelujah. These people going around in their nudist colonies. We've seen that immorality of Jezebel for thousands of years. Same thing happened, you know, at the Israelite exodus at Sinai. You know, you got Moses, the man of righteousness, burning on the mountain, and they're having a massive orgy down in the sand. When righteousness begins to burn, it exposes how full of Jezebel's immorality you actually are. That's why people go nuts in immorality. I started out in the drunken glory in 2008, and I watched people get picked off by Jezebel left and right, even into wife swapping. And these are people in the drunken glory. They got into kundalini. They got into some witchcraft, but they started out in righteousness, but because they weren't willing to bring the animal sacrifice of their flesh and blood, they all turned into cults, big-time cults. And they all condemned me, and they're all calling me a cult leader. I'm the least cult leader in the whole world. All we do is teach in righteousness, preach in righteousness every day. This is like the Noah mantle. And it's like, well, there's something good about my animal flesh. And then they just say, well, since Adam and Eve were naked, we can be naked. Next thing you know, I've seen 26 people living in a house having a different sexual partner every day. And it started out with me in the drunken glory. That's already happened before. That's like a decade ago. You know, you guys are just new to this thing. And so we've seen it all before. And the issue why so much wickedness manifests is because they still are deceived that there's something good about my flesh. There's something good about my brain. There's something good about me. I can be good if I just fill my brain with revelation. Now I'm in the drunken glory. Now I'm in the hundredfold glory. I've learned about sonship. I'm a son of God. Yeah, only he's the son of God. The star of Bethlehem is the only son of God. And you become a co-heir with Christ by self-sacrifice attaching your brain to Him. And if you ever disconnect and think you're something in your soul apart from Him, you get weird. Oh, they get weird. They get so immoral. They get so wicked. They get so blasphemous. Oh, it's so disgusting. I pray I never have to look at it again because my eyes are so blinded by the glory of the bright and morning star. Because it just grieves me every day how these people think they're good animals and they don't need to be living sacrifices. What's the gold altar for of Revelation 8.3? It's for us. It's for men and women. It's for children. Human, it's for human sacrifice to become living beings, to become living souls in the glory of God. And all the Holy Spirit fire burns up as your religiosity your selfishness, your greed, your lust, your sorceries, your magic arts, and especially your cowardliness. Most Christians are so cowardly that they bow to the religious devil. I have watched every day Christian cowards bow to Jezebel. And I'll come on there and speak righteousness, and Jezebel always makes me look like the bad guy. He's so mean. He's so harsh. And you're just, you're just combing Jezebel's hair. I watch him every day because Jezebel wants you to stay castrated. 
to have no courage, <laughs> to have no boldness. She castrates you. She keeps you nice, just little lemmings in good little church systems. So you never have boldness like the Lion of Judah. You never question the system. You just go to church and you serve the system that Jezebel built. You just never rebel against Satan your whole life and you're just lemmings going off the cliff. Lemming after lemming, coward after coward. It actually says right between dogs and sorcerers in the book of Revelation, everyone outside the city gates who's a coward. That's a major one because most of you still deal with being cowards. That's not something I'm weak in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's important that you reject being a coward. Otherwise, you cannot live in the glory of God. You have to be brave and courageous, Joshua chapter 1, to take your promised land. Because they'll intimidate you. They'll come in and say, oh, I'm from a far off land. We're just traveling. Make a covenant with me. And then you got demons living in your promised land like Joshua and Caleb. Amen? Oh, it would have been, it would have been so mean if he would just take out his sword and cut off all their heads. Nope, that would have been righteousness. That, that's what God wanted him to do. But we're like so nice. We're like so cowardly. We're like so castrated of power and boldness to stand up against the religious devil who's robbing us blind, telling us just to be good little animals and not actually burn in Holy Spirit fire and turn our cities into revivals. When you get bold and you get courageous, you'll actually start burning your cities. The reason why you haven't burned your cities is because you still tolerate the persons of the wicked. God sits in the assembly of the righteous and judge, judges amongst the magistrates. Have I not said you are gods? He judges amongst the gods. See, when you have fallen angels on your heads, he's judging them, but you get offended because the fallen angel says, don't listen to that man. That man's wrong. That man hates you. That man is being mean to you. And so the persons of the wicked, the fallen angels that you've served in the light of religion on your heads turns you against the spirit of prophecy that wants you to have your promised land. And it keeps you cowardly and submissive to the fallen angels and then the fallen angels through men and women. That's what's put out the fire of revival, every revival we've ever had in the USA for the last 400 years. Truth or not, before there even was an America back in Holland and back in Germany and back in the UK and before before we even had the USA. There's been revivals going on for 6,000 years. Every single revival went out. How many of y'all know that the revival of the book of Acts went out? It was extinguished after the death of the apostles. We read the book of Acts. That revival was put out. That fire was put out. Oh, it was. And then they got into religion, didn't they? And then they had the dark ages. Or if you spoke in tongues, you were a witch. Average life expectancy after the Book of Acts revival was 30 years old. Wow. Just total death and hell on earth in the religious spirit. They got cowardly. They stopped fighting for what, what is right. They stopped fighting for the human spirit and submitted in intimidation in their souls to the religious spirit. And Satan ruled them with an iron fist and murdered anyone that disagreed with their theology. The peasants would have to build their churches and they'd bury them into the walls and they're still in those European church walls to this very day. Hallelujah. Truth and yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh, I'm not any different. I don't... Well, I tell you what, unless the Holy Spirit builds the house, you're laboring in vain. You still labor by sucking the blood of human beings dry if you're doing it in the flesh and not the Spirit. 
You're just like those ancient pagans that built huge churches with slaves and buried them in the walls. That's the exact same sins you're committing every time you minister in the flesh and you minister in the blood and not in the spirit and not in the fire. Oh yeah. That's paganism. It's actually occult. Religion is actually the occult pretending to be Christianity. Christianity has fallen so far from what Jesus Christ walked in, what the Apostle Paul walked in, to now you pretty much practice the occult if you're a Christian. That's true. I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly how it is. Where they're like, the light of the star Remphon is my God, and he's a good God, and if you bring the light of the star Bethlehem, they'll weep, gnash their teeth, and murder you 100% of the time. Oh yeah. These people cry. They're miserable. They're nasty. Snot coming out of their face. It can't be true. I've served God with all my heart. That's what Judas Iscariot was like. Judas Iscariot was allowed by God the Father to live inside the glory of Christ for three years so you could have a demonstration of the full maturation of the seed of the Pharisees. Put that on repeat. Judas Iscariot is the full maturation of the seed of religion. All he did was steal and rob the glory the whole time and then ended up killing himself crying, tears of repentance, but he's the son of perdition. That's Christianity of the flesh. That's Christianity of the beast and the, the mouth of the blasphemer, of serving God in the flesh and blood nature instead of serving God in spirit and truth. Oh, it's true. So that's being burnt off of your bloodlines and your animal brains right now. You can't serve God in the flesh and you never could even in the old covenant. No prophet served God in the flesh. You know, we had the prescription of Levitical law, but it was about the spirit the whole time. And the real prophets and the real priests got it in the Old Covenant. And they're mighty men and women of God to this day in the cloud of witnesses. Most Christians today still haven't learned how to serve God in spirit. They're serving Him in the beast. They're serving Him in the animal. They're serving Him with all kinds of blasphemy spewing out of their mouths. You know, one of the main things they're manifesting besides all the money stuff now and, and their hearts filled with idolatry, we've been seeing that this last week, the Jezebel-filled Christians just manifesting like crazy, full of idolatry. But this other thing they're manifesting on so bad right now is the curse words. Where'd that come from? Curse words? Do you realize if you're an inner city missionary, you can't even have a conversation with someone in the USA if you're offended by curse words? Get a grip. If we're going to be harvesters of the great harvest, you can't be offended by any culture in America, especially the inner city. I've been in the inner city my whole life, you know? I'm a city slicker. And if you want to reach New York, you want to reach Chicago, you want to reach L.A., you're going to have to stop being such a religious Pharisee and get real. <laughs> you're going to have to burn up all of your dignity, all of your respectability, all your self-righteousness. Everything you think you know is good is actually self-righteousness because only the Father is good and you don't know Him because you haven't brought your bloodlines and your animal soul to the altar to be burnt as a living sacrifice. You, you live out of your soul and not the mind of Christ. That's why you're a self-righteous murderer of even those that could be saved, but you don't let them be saved because you want to put rules and regulations on their heads. Do's and don'ts. Here, there, don't touch that. Don't say that. And it's like, you're the hypocrites. They're all full of secret sin. They're all full of immorality because they're actually practicing the star remphon. These are murderers. You know, you, you tolerate murderers in Christianity. People that don't care about the inward quality of your relationship with God, but the external forms. It has to look a certain way. 
You know, God forbid cousin it, John the Baptist in the River Jordan, preaches righteousness at us, calls us a bunch of snakes. What a meanie. Oh, not very loving. Oh, no, you're not very loving because you serve Remphon and not the Morning Star, and you care more about the knowledge of good and the appearance of good than actual inward transfiguration and serving God in the heart, in the hidden person. You're a carnal Christian and a servant of Molech and not David. It's true. That's what we're dealing with in worldwide revival. The taking out of religion taking out of the red dragon, the taking out of the false prophet, and the taking out of the beast. Of all Christianity that's pretended to be good with the mixture of flesh and blood. There can be no mixture in this revival. It has to be 100% the spirit of grace and the throne of grace through lives fully sacrificed, and that's just the beginning of the promised land. It's just the beginning. Most of us at the sound of my voice have barely sacrificed any of their flesh and blood. Barely! And they're mostly still critical of people different than them, still judging others according to appearance and knowledge. There's mixture in people that have been around Red Letter Ministries. I see them manifest every single day. And the ones that have the least amount of mixture are the ones that look the most rebellious. It's true. Now, I, there's a lot of rebellion in people around here too. So we're dealing with that witchcraft. Hallelujah. It's usually around idolatry and fear of provisions and money that I see manifesting like crazy a couple dozen of them this last week. So it's no one in particular. This is what all Christians are dealing with. All Christians. And we're lovers of the body of Christ. Perfect love. You have to understand righteousness disciplines. No one likes discipline at the time of discipline. But afterwards, it provides a harvest of righteousness. Hebrews chapter 13. So it's the discipline of the Father towards the flesh and blood, towards the beast, the false prophet, and the red dragon, towards the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it's all in the sorcery and immorality of the false prophet and principality of the USA Jezebel that has filled people with false Christianity. The false prophetic of Jezebel is like 99% of prophetic ministry in America right now. I mean, it's, it's not 1%, it's 99%. Why? Because it's external. How do you know if they're influenced by Jezebel? Always God outside-minded. That's all you gotta ask. Is it a come Holy Spirit ministry? If it's God outside-minded, guaranteed, it's Jezebel. Not even a question. It's a guarantee. The only way you have a Jezebel-free prophetic ministry is if they're God inside-minded. Because there's still mixture with the stars that fell from heaven, external suns. They're practicing Jezebelic sorcery, and there's mixture. I'm saying they're saved, but it's 60-fold at best. When you start to go 61, 62, that's when you're excommunicated from the charismatic church, and you join John the Baptist in the River Jordan. Truth in you. That's when you start to actually begin to practice righteousness. You cannot practice righteousness in church. It's not possible. Because righteousness begins outside of institutionalized religion. Those are good incubators. They're great. They're great for little chicks and immature Christians. They serve a purpose for the immature ones. But when you begin practicing righteousness, it's on a citywide and national level. That's the truth. And that's what's going to come forth now through the mature sons and daughters of God that are manifesting the star of Bethlehem from within. The star of Bethlehem is the bright morning star. And there can be no other source of light for anyone's hearts or anyone's minds on earth. What does it mean when it says, I see a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells? 
That means there's no other stars served by human beings. There's no other sources of light because it's like an influence in the mind of gnosis and knowledge. The tree of knowledge is eating from Satan's stars that fell from heaven. And you're full of religious information about God and that's a light. But that light in you is darkness, Jesus Christ. He said that. The light in you is darkness. When you're eating information into your brain, that's Satan. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the devil. That's sorcery. You're filling your head with witchcraft. And so now it's time to get it all out with the true light, which is the morning star, the star of Bethlehem, that rises in your heart and burns out every external light with the internal light of the third heaven. That's the great awakening of the end times when Christians repent with all their souls and return to His soul, which is Christ in you, the hope of you realizing the glory. Amen? Very few have realized the glory. The glory is not outside you. That's a fading glory. Every human spirit is a fading glory. Every human spirit is a dying star. It is. Well, not your spirit is a dying, fading star. The only chance you have of going from glory to glory is if you come into covenant with the star of Bethlehem. That's your ever-increasing glory. The constant practicing of the bright and morning star within, the Son of Righteousness within, Jesus Christ in me, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in me. God is a star. He is. He's the creator of stars, the God of gods. He's the creator of angels, angel of angels. It's true. The king of angel armies. The angel of the Lord is his name in the Old Testament, and I think you better recognize this thing is a thousand percent angelic and zero percent animal. And the witchcraft of the fallen angels have deceived all human flesh to stay animals after they're born again. That's the Galatians 3.1 bewitchment. But when you begin to bring your blood and your flesh as an offering to the Holy Ghost and to the fire of the altar before His throne, you begin to metamorphosize and you see, you see God. The pure in heart see God. You see the cherubim, you see the seraphim. Where? You see them in you. The kingdom of heaven is in you. You can see Him outside of you because the kingdom of heaven manifests through you and it's outside you all the time too. So it's in you first, out of your belly flowing rivers of the third heaven, and then it just manifests all around you and you begin to see God working through your spirit and your mind gets renewed as the river passes through you continuously. Every single human being on earth can manifest the fullness of the river. The problem is, is most people are so influenced by the fallen angels, they can't manifest anything except bad things on earth because they believe all the lies of Belial, the father of lies, Beezable, the father of flies. And so they got all these lies getting fathered and they creep all the way down through their soul into their very spirit. Most Christian spirits are sick. Hope deferred made, made the spirit sick or the heart sick. So your spirit's sick and that's why your mind's sick and that's why your body's sick. So you need the bright morning star and the star of Bethlehem to heal your spirit first and then to heal your mind second and heal your body third and you can do it instantly. This is multi-dimensional star of Bethlehem reality of the Apostle Jesus Christ. He does it through all dimensions and it doesn't need to take 20 years. That's the thing. We've already done it for 20 years. And once it's actually grown up in the sons of God, it becomes instantaneous through all flesh in all dimensions, simultaneously great awakening and like a holocaust of glory upon Satan and his angels and upon religion. 
The star of Bethlehem is nuclear holocaust, and the nuclear is the radiations of the seven spirits of God. Zechariah says in the Amplified Classic, and his seven spirits are the sevenfold radiations of, of God's sevenfold Holy Spirit. Radiations, radioactive energy that can't be quenched or put out by any religious spirit. The religious spirit is more wicked than the homosexual spirit. The religious spirit is the darkest, most wicked spirit in Satan's kingdom. And that's the spirit most of you are still struggling to overcome because you're totally deceived by it. Thinking that it's all about being good in my flesh instead of being an animal sacrifice and sacrificing your flesh to live in the glory of Zion, to live in the tabernacle of David. Most of us are barely saved, and every spirit can shine in the full potential of the bright morning star. And how much revelation you have working in your spirit is how bright your spirit is shining. Every star of every Christian spirit shines in different degrees of brightness. And so if you're bright in revelation, you share truth into other Christian spirit so they can shine brighter shining ever brighter to the full dawn of day so that together as the body of Christ, all of our spirit life is so bright that we blot out the noonday sun and drown this earth in the bright Shekinah glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ through your spirit life, regenerated and shining by the revelation of the Word of God in Jesus' name. We love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you tomorrow.